it's a great time to continue to get to know the ladies of Sojourn Church and to just to be in God's word together with them. So whether you're watching online or you're here today, we are a church family. And um, I, feel, I think we feel the loss of or the absence of the people at home online, but we want you to know we're thinking about you. And today, Emily Souter is at home, but she's going to be reading God's scripture. So if you could turn with us to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And um, uh, the fact of, that some of you are at home highlights the difficult season that we're walking through. It's, it's been a challenging season, hasn't it? And let's, let's allow God's word to speak to us this morning. This, this scripture, I think, speaks to us in the season that we're in. So uh, let's hear Emily read it to us. 2 Corinthians 1, 3-11 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him, we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer, so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. What a wonderful scripture, isn't it? It's an amazing scripture. All the scripture is amazing, but I just love this scripture. And in it, Paul puts together two things that we don't usually put together. Uh, we don't usually, when we start to think of suffering and affliction, we don't think of comfort. It's not like we just say, well, I'm really looking forward to suffering and affliction so I can get some comfort. You know, it's like it, these things they don't go together naturally. And I, you know, I feel like in our culture, we want to protect ourselves from suffering more than any maybe other culture. We... We, we have insurance for everything. You know, we just, if we don't want financial loss, we don't want health loss, we don't want anything because we want to be protected from pain. And um, yet Paul ex- connects here the experience of suffering and challenges with comfort. And what he says is deep, deeply comforting. Um, I know many of us turn to these verses when we have a friend who suffers, don't we? If you went, I, I was on Facebook this week and a, and a pastor's wife, uh, an old pastor's wife, uh, one of my former pastor's wife, she wrote that her mother died and she was in her 90s and I sent her these verses and she said, thank you. Uh, because it's the first thing that comes to mind when someone's grieving. I mean, she was comforted because she knew the Lord. But um, I'm grateful for this text this morning and uh, because I think, you know, God wants us all to understand that we can experience his comfort in suffering and he wants us to be prepared for suffering. Because let's be honest, some of you are suffering right now, and if you're in a long-term chronic pain, illness, I'm, I'm deeply sorry, and I hope this 
Scripture will comfort you. But if you're not suffering right now, you're going to suffer. And many of you have suffered. And we want to really get what God has for us in these verses so that we can be prepared for suffering. So when the hurt and the pain and the confusion that comes with suffering comes into our lives, we know how we can turn to the God who comforts us in all our affliction. Most of us fear suffering. Wouldn't it change things if we knew God was going to be with us in the middle of it, wouldn't it? It would change the way we think about it. God promises in this text to comfort us in our deepest sorrows. And he's not just willing, he is able. He is able to meet us in our sufferings. And the reality this morning is every one of us, grief and suffering are inevitable. It will happen in our lives. But this should not frighten us because Christ's death and resurrection enables us to know God's comfort in our deepest sorrow. No suffering puts us beyond God's reach. That's good news this morning. And as we experience his comfort, he enables us to comfort one another as we suffer in community together. That's an amazing thing that we see in our text this morning. So let's look at our, this morning, we're going to just go through three simple points. God comforts us in all our suffering. God is with us in our darkest times. And God works powerfully through our prayers. So we begin with God comforts us in all our suffering. Look at, this, look at these opening words. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Paul opens this section of scripture with a prayer of praise. He's, you talk about unexpected. In a section on suffering, he begins praising God for who he is. He is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the Father of mercies. And he is the God of all comfort. He is a God of loving kindness. He is a compassionate God. He is a good God, and he is the source of comfort. And look at this one word in verses 3 through 7. Ten times in five verses, the word comfort. You think God wants to get our attention this morning? Ten times in five verses, the word comfort. And this means to encourage, to console, to come alongside to assist, to be with. Brothers and sisters, the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ is the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. And, and this comfort that God provides is real. It's help in our time of need. It's not just some idea out there. It's, it's personal. It's not simply outward relief. It's not simply a change of circumstances but it comes from a knowledge that there's someone personal who loves and cares for us, who sees us in our pain, and it's, it's, it's not simply just theological, it's, it's real, it's personal. There's a God who cares about us in our deepest distress, and God promises to comfort us in all our sorrows. Look at verse 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us when? In all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. And this word affliction is not a pleasant one. It means pressure. It means crushing. It means affliction, trouble, trial, difficulty. The good news 
is the God of all comfort, comforts us in all our afflictions. So you're sitting here this morning. What, what kind of trouble can you anticipate God will meet you in? You know, is this something that you can really hold on to for you as you walk forward in your life? You know, Paul is speaking of troubles here. He, he does it several times in this letter, but the most famous time is in 2 Corinthians 11. Mark read that to us last week. I'm not going to read it to you. But he's answering people in this church. And you know what they say? they're saying to him? They're saying his letters are weighty and strong, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech is of no account. They're basically saying, he, Paul's not much. The other, the other apostles, they're, they're better looking and they're better speakers and we'd rather have them. And Paul wants the Christians to know and God wants us to know this morning that God comes to us in our weakness. He's not a God who comes to us when we're impressive. He comes to us in our brokenness. He fills us. He comes to us in our need. The grace of God is not about us impressing people. It's about us worshiping an impressive Savior, an amazing Savior. He's boasting in his weakness so that they will understand the true nature of grace. Paul suffered. He was beaten 40 times minus one lash. That's like to the inch of, the inch of your life. He was shipwrecked. He was stoned until he was... Imagine you're out, you know, at George Mason, you're preaching, you're sharing the gospel, and you get stoned. Imagine that. They, he's lying there. They think he's dead. So that's that why they walk away. He was shipwrecked. He was, he was burdened by anxieties. All these things. These are all kinds of things that God met him in. And so he says, in all our afflictions, you can anticipate God will meet you, brothers and sisters, in all your afflictions. When God's word says, in all comfort, comforts us in all our affliction, so that we can comfort others in any affliction, this is really good news. I love the way the Message Bible says it. Listen to this. Look us on your screen. I love the way this translates it. He says, he comes alongside us when we go through hard times. And before you know it, he brings us alongside someone else who is going through hard times so that we can be there for the person just as God was there for us. Isn't that nice? Isn't that comforting? If you're suffering here this morning, your suffering is not a waste. God wants to use you in comforting others as he will comfort you. You know, I haven't suffered much in my life. As a pastor, I've had the privilege of going to the hospital many, many times. I, 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 I know the hospitals around here very well, and it's a privilege. And I've done it. I, I remember... I had done it for many years when I actually was scheduled to preach here one Sunday morning and on Friday afternoon my son was in a soccer game and he broke his leg and he broke his femur in three places and it was a very, very bad break and it was a very serious surgery, he had 10 screws to put it all back together and it was, I remember that first night I spent the night on the floor in the hospital with him and the next week my wife and I just were in the hospital and out of the hospital. We stayed with him the whole time. They were things like, you know, he might lose his leg. They, he lost the nerve in his nerve uh, use in his foot. It was, it was a really, really dark time for us, difficult time. And I remember the body of Christ coming and visiting us in the hospital. I had never been visited in the hospital before. I've never spent a night in the hospital. Oh, what a comfort. I, you know, I never walked into a hospital again in the same way. I never did because I just understood what people walk through in a deeper way. And I met, I experienced God's comfort through God's people in that time. 
And this doesn't mean you can't comfort people if you haven't suffered. Please do. But it means that broken people can comfort broken people, can't they? People who've suffered can walk alongside people who are suffering. That's why we have support groups. That's why we have grief share. That's why people who've walked through what we've walked through, they can God's people can come alongside of us and minister God's comfort to us. But the fact is, suffering doesn't always have this effect on us. It doesn't. You know, D.A. Carson makes the point in his book, How Long, O Lord, which is a book on suffering, which I recommend to you. It's very good. It's meat, but it's worth your time. But he says suffering has the tendency to make us either bitter or, or better. Either, we either find comfort or we get angry. And what's the difference in that? What is the difference between becoming bitter and becoming better? Well, it's, it's really clear in our text from verse 5 here. And, but I, before, if you look at me there, it's, For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. You know, uh, New Year's Day this year, I, I tried something new. I've been cooking for a number of years, and I was making, it was bowl game day. My alma mater, Northwestern, was in a bowl game, and so I was going to celebrate. I was making bread and soup. Now, I've made this soup before, did it, and then I started to make the bread, got the ingredients together, all there, and then it said, I just realized I didn't have any yeast. So I looked, called to my wife upstairs, where's the yeast? And she said, we don't have any. So I had to go out to the store. So I go out to the store and I start assembling everything and I put, in, I put the yeast in, put it in, put the, the dough aside and I sit down to watch the game and I come back an hour later and the bread didn't rise. The dough hadn't risen. Honey! <laughs> I said, it's not working. She said, she, my wife comes, <laughs> she says to me, did you activate the yeast? I said, I put the yeast in. She said, did you activate the yeast? And I said, I put the yeast in. <laughs> I, said, I, I didn't know what activate meant. She said, well, if you look on the package there, it says you have to put the yeast in water at a certain temperature, a very precise temperature to activate it before you put it in the dough. And so I said, would you help me, please? And she did. And we put it in. And the, she, an hour later, the bread was rising. It needed an activating agent in order for it to rise. When we go through sufferings, we have to know the sufferings of Christ for ourselves if we're going to experience God's comfort. It's through Christ and his sufferings and through Christ and his comfort, brothers and sisters, that we are comforted. Our comfort comes through a crucified Savior. Jesus Christ suffered in our place. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. 2 Corinthians 13 says, He was crucified in weakness, but lives in power. Out of Christ's weakness, he was crucified. And when we trust in him as our Savior, we die to this world and are raised by the power of the Spirit. We are new creations we die to the world because we've been crucified with Christ and we no longer live in the world in the same way. This world is not our home. Our life is categorically different. That's why Paul is going to say later on that we have the Spirit's ministry in us. We're spiritually different. He's going to say we hold this treasure in jars of clay, in earthen vessels, speaking of our bodies. 
eternal life. We serve a suffering Savior. And this life in Christ is God's intention for the church. That's why he tells us when one suffers, we all suffer. That's why when one grieves, we all grieve. We rejoice with those who rejoice. Our suffering with Christ opens us up to the ability to comfort others in their sufferings. We are able to turn to a Savior who is able to sympathize with us in our weakness. Amen? Amen. God is able to comfort us in all our sufferings. But I, I think, you know, sometimes when we think about this, we can start to think, okay, well, that's true. I can trust him for the small things, but what about the big things in my life? What if I really, what if I get that diagnosis? Or what if I, you know, something happens? And, and we all have our fears. I don't know if the Apostle Paul knew what was going to take him to the end of himself, but he tells a little bit about it here in verse 8. Look at, and this leads us to point two, that God is there with us in our darkest times. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. We felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. Now Paul says in verse 8, he doesn't want us to be uninformed about what they experienced in Asia, but then he never tells us what he experienced. <laughs> but he tells us what happened to him inwardly in that experience. He tells us, and, and these words are probably the most real words you're going to read in Scripture. This is, this is God's servant, Paul, and he's opening up his inner life to us. We don't know what he suffered. There's a lot of speculation on it, but he was utterly burdened beyond his strength. This word utterly, it's, it means exceedingly. It's, it's the word we get hyperbole from, uperbole. It's, it's, it's excessive. It's beyond his strength, beyond the normal power of endurance. And listen to these words. It, it, it takes my breath away every time I read them. This experience led him to despair of life itself. Wow. And what was the purpose and the effect of this experience? An even deeper work in Paul's life. He says, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. On him we have set our hope. And on him we will set our hope again. You know, it's, isn't, it, isn't it amazing that the Apostle Paul had a dark night of the soul? He had an experience that led him to the end of himself. Do, do you find that amazing? I find that amazing. He said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He said that after this experience. So he knew that God would meet him in the dark. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. He knew that experientially because he had gotten to the end of himself. A number of years ago, I had a, a, an experience which was a kind of a dark night of the soul for me. It was an unexpected trial. It caused me to lose friendships that I thought were for a lifetime, to face criticism that I thought was unfair, and I was facing numerous and deep disappointments in my life. And it was beyond my ability to process, and it, it caused a deep crisis in my soul. And I remember feeling that feeling of depression where you don't want to get out of bed, you don't want to do anything, you don't want to eat. 
And I, it lasted about two and a half years. And I, I remember um, early on, a friend of mine, I, I just said, I'm not motivated to get in the Word. I'm not motivated to exercise. I had a lifetime of being in the Word, a lifetime of, or a long habit of exercise. And my friend said, you've got to be in the Word daily. You, this is what, you must be in the Word daily. And I, I received that as from the Lord. That was the Lord speaking to me. And I remember feeling this, like I, I just didn't know if I could go on. The truth was coming to me in different directions. Look what Paul, but Paul's words resonate with, we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. I was in a dark place and I remember feeling I did, like I didn't have strength to go on. And I wanted the pain to end. And I share with this with you because I just want to be honest. I, I, at that point, I felt like I, for the first time in my life, I understood why someone might want to end their own life. Just to stop the pain. I share that not because I, I actually thought about doing it, but I just understood existentially that pain and the anguish that people go through. And I want to I tell you how God comforted me in my affliction. I want to share with you how he met me and I want to talk to you if you're feeling like that today. I just want to encourage you. Listen carefully because God wants to meet you and I want to urge you, talk to someone. <laughs> let the body of Christ surround you. Talk to God, cry out to God and let the body of Christ surround you. Open your heart. Talk to people. When I came to an end of myself, I know that no person could actually reach what was inside of me and God met me through counseling. <laughs> counselor shared God's word with me. He spoke God's truth to me. My friends were speaking God's truth to me. I was reading God's word on a daily basis. I was crying out to God. What kept me going was God's word and the hope that I found in God. And you know, when I found it, I got to the end of myself. I was praying and God met me in his word in John chapter 10. He, I read this. It said, I give them eternal life and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my hand. And I realized at that point, even though I couldn't hold on to God, God was holding on to me. It was an amazing realization. The, we, we talk about God being the God of salvation, but he's the God who saves us and keeps us, and he's got his hands around us, and he meets us in our darkest place. It was a process. But as I look back, it was all working to help me realize how weak I was and how strong God is. I thought I was strong, but I really wasn't. I was confident in myself. It was designed so that I would rely not on myself, but on God who raises the dead. God is the one we need to rely on, brothers and sisters, when we're in our darkest place. We need to look to him. We need to trust in him. We need to turn to him. We need to cry out to him and he promises he will meet us just as he met the Apostle Paul and just as I testify, he has met me. Even our darkest moments, God is for us and for our good. We were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves but on God who raises the dead. On him we have set our hope. Let's set our hope on him, brothers and sisters. Jesus Christ, who said he would never leave us nor forsake us, will be there with us, even in our darkest moments. That's good news. And not only he can, he's willing and he's able to meet us there. And
So God meets us in our darkest places. And our final point today is this. God works powerfully through our prayers. Look at verse 11 with me. And I'm going to begin in verse 10 if you have your Bible open. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. And you must also help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. You know, I was studying this first this week and I was looking at it with Mark. We were looking at it together and we were looking at the Greek text and there's no period between verse 10 and 11. And so we looked it up in several different translations and uh, I, I think the NIV records it this way. If you look it on your screen, it's on your screen. It says, on him we have set our hope. We got that one? Is it there? Okay. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor that God granted to us in the prayers of many. There is a relationship between Paul's hope and f- in the future and the Corinthians' prayer for him. There's a direct relation. This is not a casual reflect, re- request. I mean, I, I think sometimes we treat prayer like it's, you know, like something that's not that important. You say, someone share something with us. I'll pray for you, bro. Okay, bro, I'll pray for you. And then we forget. We sometimes say, would you pray for me? Yeah, I'll, I'll pray for you. you know. And we don't treat it with <clears throat> the seriousness with which Paul treats it here. He's, he's saying, I, I, as I, I, he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. <clears throat> our prayers for one another are a critical part of our experience of God's power in our lives. It's a critical part of us moving forward together being able to comfort one another and to build together in Christ and to accomplish the mission of Christ and to suffer together in Christ. It's not a casual thing. It is really, really important. God works powerfully through our prayers. If we, if we want to have faithful and fruitful ministry in our church, if we want to have real spiritual relationships in our community, prayer is essential. Our experience of hope and trust and faith in God working in our lives is connected to our prayers for one another. This was true for Paul in Corinth, and it's true for us this morning. You know, the accumulated effect of suffering on Paul was significant. If you can imagine, if read chapter 11, I only read a few of the things that happened to him. And I'm not comparing our trials in any way to the trials of the Apostle Paul. But Mark mentioned earlier, I think right now there's a sense of weariness among us, isn't there? We're tired. I remember the elders meeting in March and we canceled the church for two weeks, not knowing if it would go on longer than that. It's gone on a little bit longer. And I, I, I'm not kidding. Every time I come here on Sunday morning, my, my, I could cry just looking here. I'm so grateful to be here with you all, but half of our church is not here. It's a burden. We miss you. We look forward to being together with you. To faithfully endure these things, brothers and sisters, to remain passionate about God and his kingdom, we must be praying for one another. We must be humble enough to ask for prayer. And we must be faithful enough to pray for each other. It's both sides. You've got to let people in. You've got to let people know when you're suffering. 
You've got to let people know your needs. And brothers and sisters, when we hear them, we've got to take it before the Lord and the throne of grace. And that's where we find help in our time of need. That's how we're going to bear fruit and walk together in Christian community. Lord willing, as we move forward, we're going to see people saved. We're going to see people equipped, churches planted, leaders raised up. That's our hope. As we, if God calls us to mission together, possibly with the Sojourn Church, we want to see more disciples made. We want to see more people saved. We want to see more churches planted. But you know what? We're also going to see more people die. More of us are going to go on to be go home to be with the Lord. And we're going to suffer together. Some of us are going to suffer financial difficulties and challenges. Some of us are going to suffer illness. God works powerfully through our prayers. Ask anyone who's suffered a great trial or planted a church, and they will tell you if people have been praying for them, they feel like they've been carried along by the prayers of the saints. Ask anyone who's suffered. And I do want to thank our prayer team at this church. We have an amazing group of people and intercessors who pray for all of us. We have a place on our website where you can pray, but Jeff Sawyer leads that team, and Lisa Deck coordinates the prayer requests going out to that team, and I want to thank you both and all of you who are part, participate in that team, who pray for our needs and pray for us. You have carried me along at different times, and you've carried many of us along. I want to just encourage you, let's keep praying for one another, all of us. It's not just the prayer team. This is a ministry for all of us. And if we want to see people saved, if we want to see miracles in our midst, if we want to see God work powerfully, we need to be praying for one another. We've suffered a lot over the last few years. We've lost five saints in just the last three years. And as we come to a close of our, the message here, I want to share a story about a saint who died one year ago, next month, Sylvia Cranach. About one year ago, she sat on the stage and told us what she has been learning from God in her journey. Do you remember that? How she sat here and shared what she was learning. It was a, a, a wonderful thing. It was about a, a week after that, I was sitting in the living room with Brett and Sylvia, and I, you know, we, we had been meeting weekly for a long time and reading books together and I looked at Sylvia and I just asked her, I said, are you ready? And she knew I was asking her, are you ready to die? Because it was, the time was coming. And I just said, are you ready for this next part of the journey? And she looked at me and Brett and said, yes, I am. And I was like, it, it was stunning that she answered that question so peacefully. So um, it was just a stunning moment in my life. It was one of those holy moments. I just... I talked to Brett yesterday and we, we, just, we felt the Holy Spirit in the room. And I said, Sylvia, it's, it, it amazes me that you experience so much peace. I said, what do, you, what do you attribute that to? And she said, from the beginning of my diagnosis, I asked myself, has anything I know about God changed? And she said, then she said, everything I know about God is true. And it's still true. I thank him for that. The Lord's peace has been with me every step of the journey, even the really, really difficult times. And she had many, many difficult times. It's been a great test, she said, but Jesus Christ is still the same risen Savior. Praise God. 
Praise God. Church, Jesus Christ is still the same risen Savior. The same yesterday, today, and forever. Sylvia was tested to her physical and emotional and spiritual limit. She turned to God. And she was relying on the God who raises the dead. And we can trust in him. And we can know that this God will comfort us in all our suffering. And we can know that he delivers us in our darkest times. And we can continue to pray prayerfully, pray persistently for one another because God works powerfully in our prayers. Amen. Can we commit to that together? I'd like to invite the band to join me now. Um, we're going to end our time by uh, celebrating the Lord's Supper, and I think it's a wonderful way to end a message on, on suffering and uh, God's comfort because the fact that God comforts us in our afflictions is made possible by the sufferings of Jesus Christ. And on the very night that he was betrayed, he instituted this meal, the Lord's Supper, so that we would be reminded of all that he's done for us. So that's why we're doing this this morning. We're taking this meal together so we can be reminded of all that Jesus Christ has done for us. He instituted this meal symbolizing the new covenant of his blood. And she should have picked up uh, cups on the way in. Hopefully everybody has one of these. And um, this meal reminds us how Jesus suffered so that we could know God's peace. This meal is for those who have trusted in Jesus Christ as their Savior. So if you haven't done that, I'd invite you just to not participate this morning. But consider all that you've heard about Jesus Christ this morning. When he was seated at the table with his disciples, he took bread. He took bread and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance, remembrance of me. And this phrase, which is for you, it means which was given on behalf of you. His body was given on behalf of you personally. So as you take this morning, Jesus Christ's blood was shed for you personally and for you corporately. I want to take just a moment to reflect on that, that Christ died for you personally and he died for us corporately so that we could be one in him. We'll take the bread in just a moment, but just take a moment to reflect on that. Christ died for you and Christ died for us. body given on behalf of you. Let's take and eat.
Likewise, he took the cup and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Brothers and sisters, the cup of the new covenant which unites our hearts and enables us to suffer together and experience the comfort of God and to comfort one another through his shed blood. Let's drink the cup together. Just pray as we finish here. Lord, we thank you as we take these elements. Thank you for this suffer, supper that reminds us of your great and personal love for each of us in your son Jesus Christ and his work on our behalf. Thank you that he suffered so that we might receive your comfort. Thank you for the gift of eternal life, Lord. Thank you that we now know that the, this treasure is held in earthen vessels, jars of clay, and yet soon we'll be together forever worshiping you. And we glorify your name. We give thanks to you for this supper. And we turn our hearts now to worship you again for all you've done on our behalf. In Jesus' name, amen.